Oh, baby, we, we got what you need. We got spray foam, shims, and trim. We got soffit, coil, and cock. This guy's laughing. Caulking, no, Manny Caulking. No, no, we no. got caulking. I like that song. This is a different version. Yeah, I think Bismarcky just rolled over in his grave. <laughs> oh, I know, eh? He passed away, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, snap. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, thank you very much, man, for opening up the show there. Nobody's ever done Bismarcky. No, I don't think so. I don't so. think so, man. I don't think, no. I don't think anybody's ever done Biz, man. That's a shame. Yeah, it is. He was a beautiful one-hit wonder, talented boy. Definitely, <laughs> definitely, no complaints there. <laughs> well, let's welcome to the first show of 2022. It was a nice little break. Want to thank everybody for listening. And uh, the last show that was posted it was like December 30th of last year, and the last show that was recorded was probably the middle of December or the first week of December. And uh, just huge shout out to all the listeners and and you guys are the ones that made this show the what it is, and I, I appreciate it greatly to the right of me i've got jason from keystone contractor he's going to be uh co-hosting this deal with me and right in front of us we've got sir alex here from universal aluminum products that's me that's it so you want to introduce yourself yeah alex you know universal aluminum products obviously you just said that not much to know uh small little not much okay the show's company. the show's done man that's it we're done we're wrapped up it's gonna... uh well we started in 1980 Okay. Open the doors. Uh, so you've been around a while. We've been around, yeah. 42 yeah. So we got our first machines in October of 1981. It's just over 40 years we've been manufacturing. From then, you know, we, we've expanded. We started in like 1,300 square feet. Grew from there. So they started out, uh, my uncle, my father, and my grandfather, they started out selling windows, doors, selling and install. They didn't manufacture any of their own. Uh, and then we got soffit machine, J-Trim, Fascia. Started manufacturing. Obviously, it was rough at first. Yeah, recession in the 80s, recession in the early 90s. Oh, man, you guys went through all of it. They went through all mm -hmm. of it. They went through all of it. I knew nothing. I was a little punk. Yeah. And I was twinkling my daddy's eye the first one, the second one. <laughs> <laughs> what's the going, second what's one going on right now is, is the only thing that you've gone through, I guess. You, for well, myself, no, you, you, personally, yeah. yeah. you would have touched a little bit with the 2008, 2009. You didn't feel it. You didn't no, feel it. Feel Actually, it. in construction, had, that's right. We that didn't was, feel it. And that we had the was the exact programs. opposite. Yeah. We had the rebate program. That's so true, that, too. So uh, it was benefiting you guys at the time. Definitely. Let me go through all the deets here. So how do you yeah. pronounce your last name? Majacomo. Majacomo. Yes, sir. Italian. Yes, sir. Hey, it's actually nice. I, I, I've always liked Italian surnames, man. Right. They just, they're, they're nice, and they usually have half the alphabet in there. Give or take. <laughs> Pretty much, right? <laughs> so Universal Aluminum Products Limited, you're the manager, been in business for four decades. Website is universalaluminumproducts.ca. To reach you specifically, it's alex at universalaluminumproducts.ca. Yep. And then on Instagram, it's Universal Aluminum Products. Yep. Now, anybody I spoke to about us coming up here and doing the show, they're like, oh, say hi to Alex. Say hi to like Everyone comes up here. And yeah. if you're in the window and door business or... I guess siding or even saw like any a lot of siding software we get into. Yeah, that's right. They yeah. they all know who you are. Well, that's good to hear. I got and referred here on a whim. Yeah. From Ruskin Doors, Alex oh, yeah. at Ruskin. He's mm -hmm. like, Oh, you gotta go check out Universal. And I was like, What is this? Yeah. And I came and it's been Kid a in a candy store. Oh yeah. I mean, right on you walk in, they, whether you want something small or a large quantity, it's just there. You know, they got it all for you. It's been service, perfect. It's awesome. Yeah. So this show is going to be all about 
like you guys about metal i guess all types mm-hmm. of metal it's not just aluminum right we got some steel siding okay manufacturing our the majority of it aluminum. is aluminum right yeah but i mean i know that a lot of us have been really quick to talk about wood and the pandemic and all this crap but man you metal guys have been hurting terrible. just as bad terrible like how like you want to go down that path for a little bit and just discuss how it's been for the last two years sure well business-wise sales-wise we've probably had two of the busiest years we've ever had believe it or not just in terms of sales. that's the good thing sales about volume. construction yeah like we've been we got to count our blessings here my father's found and he's told me plenty of times is when the economy goes down renovation goes up and th- that's been what he's noticed well that's what he Generally would have seen speaking. with the recessions yeah that would have passed yeah i have a funny feeling i'm still gonna preach it it's gonna go the other way around man it has to like, we're too busy. There's too many people out there doing it. Too, too many, many jokers getting into it, it the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. Well, people that have lost their livelihood doing other things, and now all of a sudden they're strapping on a tool belt, getting the truck, watching a few videos on YouTube, using HTV as their tutor, and going, I'm a contractor. It's yeah. the Wild Wild West of the, I guess, 80s and 90s. Yeah. It was the same thing. Like, a lot of guys were losing their occupations, their careers or whatever, and they just figure, yeah, I'll throw on a tool belt, I'll get my Honda Civic hatchback, yeah. and mm-hmm. I'll just start throw a ladder rack on there, and I, I'm, a, I'm a renovator. Or they'll and, sell the job and sub it out to 10 other guys, and they'll just be the project manager. Mm-hmm. And something like Windows isn't even considered a trade. Yeah. Right, which I... I don't know how it's not considered a trade. And there's a lot of trades, actual trades. You know, you'd see them more than I would that aren't considered trades, you know, according to the OBC or or whatever you... But I'd say 50% of my stuff I've been dealing with in the past year, year and a half, is I'm going back on site on new construction and I'm Mm -hmm. having to fix in houses where people are already living, everything's set up, and now windows not opening, doors not working properly... I'm having because they all so nobody's all, educating these guys no, properly. All the contractors, no training. all the contractors have their framing crews, and they'll I'll sell them a package for the house, but they're like, ah, oh, my framers can put them in. They're just windows. Well, I'm a like, lot of times from new construction, at least in the past, I don't know about so much now. It was the carpenters, the framers putting in windows. They're still doing it. It's all like that yeah. now. But I mean, okay, so I know that you, you like Jason, you learned as you went. You you weren't necessarily taught how to do this, right? Yeah, I mean, everything. You weren't I've, trained. You weren't formally trained. You no, just picked it up. No, there was no such thing as training. So what would you do differently today? Like, what are, has anything changed today? If a, if a new guy wants to get into this business and they want to be a window door installer. Find a guy who's doing it, get on his truck, learn. Hope you're learning well. But there's no training. No, no there's no, no official. There's no, no there, there is. So there's a company called Sodak. The yeah, uh, oh, so I know they, of them, but that's just an organization. That's but that organization group. came up with a program called WindowWise, which was specifically just for Windows, mm-hmm. and it was a training program, or it came up with a system so that it was like a franchise. So every installer across the board would install a window the same way: shim locations, foaming practices, caulking. Uh, everything and it was so over the top and every single guy i know that took it just lapped their ass at him yeah, that was during the last rebate yeah that, like, where, where they really became prevalent that was like 10 years ago or when Not it even. first kind of came in maybe more 17 18 yeah was the the big government rebate where they give you back like five grand if you did x amount of windows or something why were they laughing it was just overkill 
Yeah, because if you know what you know and you know how to do this, their guidelines and their instructions, I had holes that I was pulling it, and the instructor didn't have any knowledge or science behind it to give me an answer. It was just like, this is just the way it's done. This is what we came up with. So who's the installer and where does the installer come from? They're coming from Sadak? So the instructor comes from Sadak. It was a great way, I think it was a good selling tool, because you would have Sodak who came up with this idea, everybody bought into it, so big companies, like all your, like, whatever the window company is, whether they... A lot they of the window companies, a lot of the caulking companies had to buy into it, a lot of the foam companies had to buy, at least during the government rebate program. Yeah. So that was the thing where a lot of people complained, where it was, I have to pay you to be part of this program so that my products can be used on these window jobs. And a small like just, guy like me couldn't get into it because yeah, it in order difficult. for me to register a product or get the rebate program, you had to be registered with Sodak and you're like, oh, you're under half a million in sales. You're under a million in sales. We're not even going to waste our time with you. Wasn't there issue like with the rebates? Wasn't it all a, a shitstorm? It was a shitstorm. Way you back. Got, you got all these installers now who a lot of them, at least in the GTA, English is their second, third, fourth, fifth yeah. language. And they got to submit a stack of paperwork that's probably 15, 20 pages long. Pictures of every window, the whole bit. Oh, and the best part was the windows were all triple pane. Inch, like they were yeah. the highest star value, the, the top of the line window. You couldn't get it on a double pane. <clears throat> so, it was only the best of the best windows. I like to try to look at things from both sides. Yeah. In fairness to Sodak, it was kind of... And I heard this with the HVAC guys was really bad too. A lot of their trades was during that particular rebate was the government just approached private organizations yeah. or unions. If there was no union, they approached the private organization and said, this is what we want to do. You do it. Figure it out. Like Sodak had a, like for them to get the Sodak warranty, you would then, if it was installed this way. And so imagine you've installed the window and then they'll do on-site spot inspections out of nowhere. So you're the homeowner. I've come and installed all your stuff. It's all finished. I've gone two or three weeks later. An inspector comes by and he wants to maybe pull trim, make sure it's double foam, make sure it's cocked. What? And I'm like, get the hell out of my house. You're not ripping anything apart just so that warranty is then um, valid. valid. So what was the benefit behind this? I mean, if you've got a window that you're purchasing, which is on the higher end of cost. What the benefit I saw to that was is that a company that was registered with it, it's like when we talked about the tile and being CTI certified. Yeah. It's like, well, we're SODAC certified, and this other company that just runs guys doesn't have that certification. Do you want those guys doing your windows, or do you want us? But the SODAC was a five-year warranty on labor installation. Any decent window company that's out there offers a five-year labor installation. The product always carries a lifetime on the glass or the frame. So the warranties that most people, even me, I'm just mm. like a, a one, two-man crew, and I offer those same warranties. Yeah. So with a $1,000 unit, let's say just for numbers sake here, you, you pay $1,000 for a unit. What were you expected to get back from the government if you actually abided by all these SODAC rules? It was uh, uh, At the time, it was, it was a fixed $500 rate, $5, Five hundred dollars per unit, up to five thousand dollars. Up to five grand. The, and the only reason it was up to five grand, depending on the value of the unit. No, just it was that a was, cap was on the, the whole job. Yeah, that, that oh, was so what five thousand for all the, the jobs, all the units on the one dwelling. Correct. And you get from a double pane regular That's window. That's not worth it. 
I don't think so. And no, no. well, I'm just saying there that. was upcharge now because it's triple pane. There's upcharge because now you have to use very specific products because they're part of the program. It and takes again, twice as long to set than mm-hmm. like some installers go in four screws, shim it, not even shim it, just foam it, walk away. Now you've got to have your shims every so far. You've like even on the lapage. Oh man, you guys uh, lost me the moment you guys said government. Like it just <laughs> yeah. like you guys now, lost me yeah. at that. And like moment. I said, in fairness to Sodak, from my understanding, they're private organization, so. Yeah, you know I mean? it wasn't I mean, even a government thing that started this. It was a private organization yeah. that saw an idea. I know, that but said, I look, let's hey, get everyone on board. You know what? Honestly, I, I got a private company. Obviously, you know, it's just, you know, my father owns it. So government comes to us and says, "Hey, organize this for me." You know, free reign, do what you want. I'm seeing dollar signs. That's exactly what I was about right? to say. Is that so saw I don't saw blame numbers. them for no, what they yeah. did. It would have been I mean, most. I'd say almost everybody in business would do the same thing. I'm sure you would. I, I know, but this is a frustrating. I got flack from my post recently regarding complaining about the 2 by 4 how it just magically doubled over the holiday break when Decepticons were attacking the entire world, right? Yeah. And everybody was paying attention to the Omnicron bullshit that was going on, but nobody was paying attention to a 2 by 4 going from just under 3 to just over 6. Yeah. And then I do a post, and then you've got people in the industry going, why is Manny making noise? Why is he making noise? We're all making money. I'm making noise because I'm trying to prevent a recession that is coming. Oh, it's That's coming. all I'm trying to prevent. Let- so I'm trying to contribute to dialogue so we can discuss this. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I agree. Like, okay, sure. Sadak looked at it and it was all dollar signs. They're like, okay, if we get X amount of corporations to be yeah. a, a part of this, we can make X amount of money. Yeah. And is uh, that okay, right? Don't, it's don't, not right. That's the way it looks from the outside. And, and like I said, I don't blame them for what they did. It could have been a really great idea if I just think a more communication and just more uh, dialogue happened. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I had questions when they did presentation and I did it the first time. Yeah. I had questions. I tried to go through channels to talk to people and was shut down every single time. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, I mean, okay, we're pointing the fingers at sodak currently because well this is again going back 10 15 years when it first started Mm -hmm. and then since then i haven't i think it's a great idea yeah what they're trying to do i think what what they tried to do initially opening i think was a great idea because there's no regulation in the window no absolutely not there should be again i'll I'll say that there should be but it's funny it's like when you look when you go a bit further and you look at other companies like tws building science Mm -hmm. and uh, the girl that does building uh, building science fight club, they are really focusing on window building envelope, wind moisture proof, really getting and they're getting into the nitty gritty. But then at the same time, if you're going into a residential and just doing some retrofits in an old 1900s house, you're doing complete frame outs, and people are oh you're blue skinning, you're doing all this, and I'm like. What's the point at that? Uh, because I mean, you're dealing with a lack of plaster was, house. The, yeah. the rest of the house Double was brick. for me. Oh, yeah. So what's the point? I mean, I yeah. get those arguments. But then even with windows and doors, as soon as you get on the second floor, now we get into the working off heights, the ladders. I mean, if That's you... That's a whole other world. Oh, yeah. But I'm we're saying, getting way ahead. I mean, I sorry, love yeah. that we dove into this thing, yeah. but I, I don't want to forget, first of all, that we're at Universal here. Yeah. I'd, I'd love, Alex, for you just to let everybody know who's not familiar... What can we get here? Like when we come here, and what are you guys offering? You're offering almost everything that you need for installation purposes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. We got screws in terms of window and door installers. Anybody who does aluminum capping, 
uh, we got capping, so garage door guys come by. But for the capping, you guys make your own. We manufacture our own capping, yes. So, so we roll the, our own the, small the fl- coils. So I'll, I'll buy it in in fifteen hundred, or we buy it in fifteen hundred. So in the warehouse, rolls. the back warehouse that we walk through. Yes, like you guys like roll it, stretch it, do everything here. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't paint it, so. Like I said, we ordered in like 2,000 pound rolls, let's say. Yeah. And then we'll roll it down to 50 foot or 100 foot coils. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Same with the soffit. So we'll buy it in large bulk master coils. And you'll produce soffits. And we'll produce the soffit, the fascia, the J-trim, uh, small square downpipe. In terms of insulation material, we've got uh, three lines of spray foam, the single component foam. What's the difference between the foams? Um, is it just branding or is it? Branding. Okay. Price point as well, depending on, on that. Like Hilti foam is Hilti foam, and some diehard guys are just Hilti. Doesn't matter what you say. Yeah, and we've also got the IPF, and we've got the Ad foam. Yeah, the Ad foam. You've yeah, purchased. I've, you I've been yeah. using the iPhone, and I've tried all of them. Ad foam. Ad foam. So it's made by Adfast, same company that supplies you my silicone sausages and caulking. Okay, and the and the third one, the middle one, which which was what? Uh, the other one's IPF. 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 Okay. IPF. All right. I don't even know anything about this, man. This is all new to me. I'll yeah. let you guys deal with the phone, man. Like, just, I know that I've had one conversation with a client one time where yeah. they didn't want foam because whatever, they saw some sort of CBC report about marketplace, about foam, bad foam in a Off house. Gassing, then then you found things. out, you dig into the story. That's that's really what's sad is that you got to dig into the story yeah. to see if it's and true. you got to find out where they got it And from, they actually were in the States and the product wasn't actually certified and it came from China and all this yeah. other stuff. But yet they were presenting it as if it was a Canadian product bought in a Canada Canadian store. And I'm like, well, there's a little bit of deception there, man. But so, I mean, foam. Yes and no. There's a lot of that <laughs> happening. And I'm sure it's not just the spray foam. I mean, we've seen it happening with spray foam uh it happens with some especially some of the interior latex caulkings you see a lot of them out there and it's like oh yeah i only picked it up for a dollar fifty a tube from from joe blow what are you really saving when it actually just starts to fall apart like deteriorate right before your eyes well i mean even spray foam for a house had a bad rap for a while Mm -hmm. because there were more you know uh, not coming out properly, yeah. off gassing. That was all a big. Now it's all solved. Now, yeah. Now it's just you get the odd poor installation due to cold weather or mal, uh, equipment malfunction. But I mean, you're not having those issues anymore. That's, I've always told the young guys that you got to understand that the spray foam is probably the one product on a construction site that's actually produced on the site. Yeah. yeah. Everything else is delivered on site, already manufactured and produced for you to cut, shape. Shift install, but spray foam you have to actually. Mm -hmm. So you got to address with Mother Nature. Yeah, you got to address the site conditions and everything like that. So you got to be careful. Moisture in the cavities got to be a certain level. Right, they got to be drier. Some of them they want you to spray it beforehand. But caulking is almost the same thing. Caulking has the same element when it comes to application. You can't just be installing caulking when it's minus 40 out or whatever and it's all wet and all this yeah especially if it's wet yeah the, the thermoplastic when it's and wet, i know the guys want to finish the job and get out of there yeah. and move on yeah. but what's the point you're going to return and we all know that returns is where you don't make money exactly. oh i was i would watch we would do condos and the sills on eight nine foot windows on brick and guys would come back in the spring and re- like they've been paid for the job and they got to come back and cock it where I'd be there, windows out, chip everything, have a hair dryer, dry it all up, get to cock it the same day, never yeah. have to come back. Yeah. You know, and you make sure it's yeah. dry. Having, having like different like uh, uh, the acetone spray, yeah, gun clean cleaner things spray, up. anything yeah. just to clean the metal so you can get your caulking on and get the job done. What yeah. else are you carrying, Alex, here? Uh, cedar shims. 
Oh, you got cedar shims, yep. shakes. Yeah, uh, not shakes, cedar cut. shims, builder shims. Oh, just shims. Okay, all shims. right. Yeah, already really? cut and ready to go. Inch and a half. What are you selling those for, man? What's the price of those guys? Right now we're at five fifty a bundle, forty two shims. That's still cheap. Three That's eights. a good price, actually. Three I was eights. I was just looking the nice at ones too. They're not. I see a lot of them that are quarter inch. You know, the thickest point are just three eighths. Nice out of Quebec. Little sneaky nice. bastards. Yeah, yeah, a quarter inch, huh? Yeah. But that's not the cusp of where you got to flip it around and put two, man. Yeah. A quarter inch at some times, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you got to be careful, too. You know, there's, I mean, how many times you've seen guys cut up a two by four piece of plywood, use it as a shim? All the time. Taking shims and cutting them with the knife so they're all different widths. Mm-hmm. Don't don't give me that that piece of ply. Give me that ply that's been sitting there for three months. That three quarters is actually seven eighths right now. So let's use that because <laughs> yeah. that'll fit perfectly. Funny enough, <laughs> interior is, is one thing, right? And you're doing an interior door or something. But when you're, you're going around a window, something exterior, it's got to be cedar. It's got to be plastic. It's got to be composite. You but see most, them up some, there. some guys will just, whatever's on the floor, whatever's yeah. on the ground. Or whatever I can get cheap. It's interesting when it comes to cedar shims for a window. So again, with the with the, what Sodak with the Window Wise mm-hmm. program, they said cedar shims, and then once you've got everything foamed, they wanted you to caulk over it, yeah. so that if that degraded or caused an air leak, you could solve it. Then the cedar in cedar. However, so think about cedar's organic material. Mm-hmm. You've got inside a wood cavity window. The 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 framing is wood. The windows are either vinyl, wood, aluminum, or whatever it is, fiberglass. And everything moves with hu- relative humidity, cold, heat, this and that. Mm-hmm. I saw an interesting, again, building science blurb from some guys in California and New Mexico. They won't use any wood shims in their windows. Oh, be- they're using the plastic ones? They use plastic because it's... And even in the U- Europeans, the tilt and turn, all the heavy uh, aluminum frames for like Bigfoot, Commodore, they won't allow any aluminum in their installations because not aluminum uh cedar cedar because it's an organic product it will degrade not a matter of when not a matter of if but yeah. when it will degrade it will compress it will take so they just don't allow that anymore yeah so we were talking to our our shim supplier the last couple of years have been brutal for supply of everything and shims have been particularly bad we'll get them in spurts where we'll get a, a whole order for like two months all at one shot or we see nothing for like three months. We're going, what do we do? So you start talking to the supplier, and my father called them, and he goes, well, here's the thing. You can get something else. But you're using it. It's an exterior wall. Cedar's not going to compress as easily. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you put enough weight on anything, it'll compress. It doesn't create the black mold. Put a piece of pine there. It gets wet. It's going to create well, black it's mold. Well, it's right? a natural like, turn to insects, right? It's a natural turn to yeah. insects a little yeah. bit. Same thing with a lot, some of the spray foams. I don't know about a lot. I know uh, in particular they've mentioned it once upon a time. I haven't seen it. On, I haven't checked their website lately to see if it's still there. But the IPF foam that I mentioned, they actually advertised or advertised. They actually stated on their website that it deters insects, rodents. Yeah, I was told that in the early foam. days of spray foam too. But then all of a sudden I found a job and mice carpenter. No, carpenter oh, ants. Oh yeah. Yeah, so carpenter ants got into it, nested into it, and to the point where they had wings. So oh, wow. they were evolving with the foam. Well, yeah, that's the fun. That's the funny thing is like, as we go more green, you know, everybody wants everything's got to be green and safe and low VOC. What are we removing from some of these that benefited us? Yeah, some of these other. I'm not saying it's everybody's I'm not got saying their own. The high VOC is fantastic. Yeah, and, and it smells. It's not good for you. Yeah, the whole bit. But what what chemicals are we, are we replacing with water? Water does nothing. For an example, I don't know what they're actually replacing 
you know, these other chemicals with. So where are all of these products coming from? Are they coming from down south in the States? Are they coming from Europe? Are they coming from Asia? Because if I wanted to learn more about green and building green and using better products, I'd personally be looking at Europe yeah. and taking a look at what's going on there. So from our experience, and there are really good manufacturers, at least let's say the spray foam, because we're on the topic, uh, the US, a lot from Europe. Right? The healthy, the IPF, we carry both from Germany. I'm not sure exactly which country the ad foam is manufactured in, but it does come from Europe. Okay. All of our casing trims are coming from South America. Finger joint pine. And you're not carrying so, any MDF stuff. It's all finger all, joint pine, All right? finger joint pine. That's, that's a big deal, yes. too. You're using the finger joint pine for your jam extensions? Jam extensions, casings. Okay, all right. Cove, quarter round. So, Jason, are you a fan of the the plastic shims over the cedar shims? It's kind of funny because... The thinnest I can get plastic shim is it's a fat a 16. 16. I've seen about yeah. 16. So yeah. 16. Yeah. And there are some times when you just need a little less, a little more. Or even just that little less to get it started. Yeah, just to get it started. So I use both. When I buy shims, I literally will buy a skid of the shim packs and they last however long they last. I the, stick them the in the plastic my... ones and the cedar ones? The, ce the cedar ones I'll buy a skid of and the plastic ones I bought. I don't know, 5,000 of each because uh, they're in a horseshoe shaped. But then I end up just cutting them in half because when they're in a horseshoe and they're in the window, it creates a pocket so you can't actually foam in the middle of that pocket sometimes. And I use the horseshoe shims more on tiling work than I do in a window. I'll use the plastic shims when I'm setting commercial doors where moisture and the weight of the product matters the most. You don't want to compress regular shims. I'll use sides. This I use a mixture of both, but I'm pretty, say, 80% lean towards a wood shim than I am a plastic, a plastic shim. shim. What do you guys think stateside-wise is? Um, are, they, are they more plastic shims? I don't know, to be honest with you. I, I get, know um, our shim supplier turned down a very large deal basically would buy his whole year's supply or their whole year's supply guaranteed they, oh. had, they had to of cedar shims really they had to turn it down they go well that that's everything we make in a year and then some we need to protect the guys that have been loyal to us while everything's been tough just mm -hmm. because you're desperate for it now and coming to me what makes me think you're gonna stay that's and true. i respect that from yeah. what yeah. i we see definitely respect some that. of the facebook groups i'm part of they're more prone for wood in the in the states than they are i see the plastic shims more in in russia europe those places because that's just what they've always used but you want some movement with the window right you no. don't want it to be no, no. it's got to be hard fixed yes done yeah, that's it. if it shifts out and now you got the opener so if uh, your casement shifts now you can't crank open the window got it's it. at a level yeah, this okay. is one of the arguments, I, not an argument, but I've been this week on and people, I've talked people out of buying double swinging doors because they're in, with our climates go so up and down. And when you look at the reveal around the door, it's an eighth. And I'll tell people, I'll sell you the door. You want what you want, but I'll give one service call that's on me. The rest of them is a billable service. It doesn't matter what manufacturer, you're still going to have that problem if it's a double door in Canada? No, the only, what I found is the more like a Lepage, a Herd, Marvin, any big wood 
the heavier and bigger the frame, aluminium exterior, wood interior, the bigger and heavier and more expensive multi-point locks, good hinges, they'll maintain those kinds of tolerances. But you pay for that kind of quality. But I mean, now we're talking between like a $5,000 double door regular to like a ten to 15000 double door, which, you or know. More. Or more. Easily more. But you guys sell windows and doors too. Uh, so not us. That we operate as two companies. They are also Universal Aluminum. Okay. So that is Sandro, Sergio's brother, okay. my uncle, and his sons. They are they're operating that. They've got their team designer, yeah, architect. They've got the whole thing. Because when do I a saw lot of commercial, yeah, when I saw Lepage for the very first time, mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm looking at it going, "That's what I think a unit should be like." Yeah, they're beautiful. But 100%. the they've price got... point is insane. Yeah. But also, I've never heard of anybody get a Lepage door 10 years down the line going, it's not opening and closing properly. Never. I've never heard that. Yeah, yeah so like it's... Lepage, Pella. Even the doors I take out that are 25, 30 years old that are Pella, they still work great. So that says something. But then oh, yeah. I guess you get this mindset where let's just get vinyl in here and we'll swap them out. And then, yeah, in like 10, 15 years, we'll swap. Well, right. if we swap them out. And it's funny, a long time ago, Wood was the mm-hmm. standard. Everybody had it. Yeah. Now we're but putting. But they weren't in... built like they're built now no. either. But now we're taking in vinyl, and if you want wood, like an all wood window. Oh my lord. Yeah. But right, and then with the guys next door, the, the other Universal Aluminum, they've been with Lepage since they were Bonneville. So they. I don't know how far back years. that goes. How? Oh, I don't remember. Because Lepage is Quebec based, right? Quebec based. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So was Bonneville. When did Bonneville? leave honestly i don't remember but i don't remember i know it was before we moved here so more years? than 10 years ago yeah more than yeah because i still had even a few years ago i still had about eight or nine bonneville doors that i bought out from a fire sale yeah. from a window company that went out no, but you're still fantastic shape oh yeah like they sitting in my barn they're brand new yeah. and they worked right they worked nice great. Yeah. so all right so alex we got some segments here i want to ask you about a construction bone you want to pick anything that's lately going on in the new world too many colors I, I got. It. I can give you a list. Yeah, give me a list. Too many colors. There's way too many color way options. Way too many colors options. You're confusing it's so clients. Easy, it's so easy to paint. If you show up to a client, you don't have to go with, with you know, let's say our aluminum samples. Stands and on. say pick this, <laughs> pick you know between these thirty colors, which is already way too many. Taupe. You can go with another aluminum manufacturer who's got a hundred, two hundred. You can show up with your Sherwin Williams sample. Say pick whatever color you want. And they will want. match. And yeah, you're sending it. You're sending the white window to a painter. The, the, white door to a painter they'll paint it but go find the caulking to match that yep. go find the aluminum that's to match the problem that. okay right so you so, can't it doesn't yeah, exist we, ha- we have guys that come in to me oh we need to match you know uh sherwin williams color one two three i'm like okay do you want do you want that in eggshell satin finish like <laughs> I, I don't even know what color that is i don't have a sherwin sample so why a- can't the caulking companies get on the on that it's just too difficult to do that well with that fast they've got over 400 colors Holy They'll match you, right? you can get close. But how many? But how many can we stock? Yeah, you can't, can't stock four hundred no. because I'll bet you there's like six greens and you might need one once a year. Yeah, and then you're gonna shell the rest of them. Each, yeah. Go bad. Now, how many times okay. have I used burgundy in Collingwood? A surprising number of times. Yeah. My old house was the burgundy and tan, mm-hmm. and we did all the windows, replaced it all, burgundy caulking, a nice pebble cladding, did it all. Got rid of the house. New owners came in. 
painted everything friggin' no, beige. No, yeah. really? Well, we went through it, actually. That was one of the colors we went through a lot of last year. We, uh, we were pretty surprised, burgundy. Yeah. But we won't, we won't stock, you know, in, in the aluminum colors, we don't stock the reds, the, you know, the bright blues, the greens. And we do get asked, but it comes down to, well, if it's a color that we have to get painted because our supplier doesn't have it, we had to bring in 10,000 pounds of it. It's 200 some odd rolls, 100 foot rolls of flat stock. Yeah, like if I get into doing a door, they yeah. want a custom color, and I need a three-foot pull. Guess what? You're paying for the full roll. You either pay for the full <laughs> roll, or you got to cut it, bend it, bring it to the painter, say, hey, you need to color match this. Yeah. And, and there's certain that com- rarely ever happens. I guess back right? in the hard. 80s with your dad, you guys probably would have stocked a lot of green and red. Six colors. <laughs> you know Cream, what I mean? chocolate brown, white, black. Uh, there's a commercial brown. So they, they would have got, got white, and then they would have painted it with a brush on yeah. site. Well, that's a nice done. thing with, so a thermoplastic sealant, like Mulco, is They've paintable. they three colors, too. Yeah, and they're like paintable. Once it's, once it's cured, you, you can, can paint, paint it. it and, and it will and keep. But add It's got to be a latex paint, yeah. which I mean they all are now. But like add fast. No, you C- can't paint silicone. No, but like CWS mm-hmm. from uh, Dow Corning. Anything that's silicon based, oil and water, like you can't paint it. Yeah, that's so an issue. That's now the too. only There's downfall no raw materials to, to make the silicone. So, what other bones there? You got oh, like oh, hundreds of color options. Hundreds of color options. There's no training for the window installers. This, it, it's got to become a trade. How can you regulate that? How can you actually set that up? And who's going to do it? You can't leave it to the morons that, you no. know, are called government. You can't do no. that. There's the carpenters union. They cover your framers and that, you know, HVAC, electrical, bricklayers. Well, here's one. I printed this off the other day. What qualifications do you need to be a bricklayer in Ontario? To be one? To be a bricklayer. Show up? You just got to show up. You, you Technically to, speaking, none. you don't have to be, none. you don't need to be educated. You don't have to go yeah. to masonry school. You don't have to do any of that. Yeah. So yeah. from this list, there's bricklayer, carpenter, cabinet, cabinet maker, Floor covering installer, home builder, home inspector. You don't need any training. Painter, roofer, tile setter. Need no training whatsoever. No license, no nothing. So the electrician's the only one that you need to be fully licensed. HVAC too. HVAC Gas, too. Um, electrical, plumbing. Yeah, gas exact, fitters HVAC's. on here, you need a certificate of qualification. Yeah. You don't need to be fully licensed to be working. Isn't According that the scariest this, thing ever, man? Yeah. It's nuts. So pretty much every trade... You, you don't need any formal training. You just got to show up. According to what I printed off the Ontario, it says right here, the Ontario trade license requirements. I'll pass that over. But it's you. like we were saying, like to be a, what was it? You can be a master plumber or a master electrician. So you can own a business, be a master. You can't be the electrician because you're not licensed to be an electrician, mm-hmm. but you can be a master. We had that conversation. It was a master plumber or a master electrician. Yeah. And you and I, anybody who's not that trade can become a master in it to run the business, have the guys working who are journeymen and do all that. But they can't, you know, for them to become a master, they don't have the funds to run the business to do a lot. Because be a master electrician, then you can run your business, right? To be a I know, journeyman. So I see this whole list here, and you got all these trades here that, technically speaking, you don't need any training. To actually from be a it, website. right? And and it, yeah, I agree with you that it is a little scary because you get these cowboys going out there. But my problem is that 
who's going to regulate that? Because I, I have plenty of bones to pick with the ESA. And oh, yeah. that's the regulatory body for electricians. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got bones to pick with TSSA when it comes to regulatory body for gas fitters. Yeah. Like there's all kinds of like these bodies don't actually do anything other than take fees, take your membership, take whatever, just so you can continue carrying a card saying that you're so-and-so. A lot of people say the same every thing day, Every day we drive on roads that everybody has a driver's license. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't make you a good driver. Funny thing, I so I was listening to uh, Jordan Peterson, one of his podcasts, mm-hmm. and he said, I believe it was him or it was somebody he had on, was convinced if the, if the cars were cr- invented today, nobody would be allowed to drive them. <laughs> it's too true. dangerous. It's true, because they they would take them to the extreme, yeah. and then you would get into the, these extreme situations, yeah. and then it would just be like, nope, this is too dangerous for human beings. Yeah. But isn't that what's going on right now with technology? Everything. Everything that's going on right now, technology-wise, yeah. is going to the extreme, and people are pushing them to the extreme. Yeah. But then you got, let's go back to construction, where people say that it's blue-collar, anybody can do it. You just show up, and you swing a hammer, and you're done. That's it. That's the extent of it. If you care, then you actually have a good business. We don't agree with this, obviously, no. because there's still professionalism attached to this. Mm-hmm. Somehow there is. Some cases, yeah. Unfortunately, not enough. I'm just trying to figure out. So, how would you actually start a window training program for these people? I wouldn't be a fan of having Sawduck do this, control it. I mean, like Sawduck, maybe not anymore. I think there's like I said, the idea. If there's a conflict of interest, right? So, our lovely PM obviously has got some money coming in the back ass. That for, for his motivations regarding vaccinations. I don't give a shit what anybody says. You can send your hate mail all you care. I don't care. Not gonna get but I think that if there's a conflict of interest when it comes to monetary, then you have no voice. Yeah. You automatically dismiss yourself from so being a part the, of this. That was the issue with that rebate program. Uh, definitely no arguments here. But the idea of, and why they started however many years ago, 10, 15 years ago, yeah. I think Jason said you, you first saw I still them. have the original manual and everything. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic idea because there is no other regulatory body. Like, it's made sense because they tried to just make a standard way, like a, a standard, what do you call it? Like a technical yeah, a, a technical book on how to do it, what to do for a frame out, a retrofit, how to cap, just the things that you, some guys were missing, some guys were overlooking, shimming and screwing as opposed to four, sh- four screws and some foam. How they many just, languages was it in? So far, I saw English, but I mean, the, sure I think even French. The ideas were good. The ideas were good. I just, I mean, it would take obviously some thought to redo it, but again, it it fell short because it's like trying to franchise a trade. So, like, so for me, window uh, tile bathrooms mm-hmm. is every single one the same? You're no, gonna run no, same thing not. with the window, and you can have ten windows in the same house. And every single one is different, requires a tweak, a this, a that. Yeah, which so, one's got a run subframe? Yeah. So, I mean, there's so much to it because it, it can open up a whole nest of what it actually needs. But at the same time, there is standards of practice you can do. That's where you need the skill and the experience of the tradesperson to look at it going, okay, I'll do this and this. But then you have window and door companies, anybody that has a sales team, and most of the sales guys have never 
owned a tool or done any of the work. That's my other bone. You, know, you need training for the sales And then, of course, because... you've got the guys who have worked in the field mm-hmm. as installers, but then they won't ever get hired as salesmen because there's always a, a, a this versus... In every company I've seen, it's always sales versus installers, and they're always butting heads. So here's my two problems attached to this whole thing is that I think any window door installer person trade needs to have a very good understanding of building envelope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like every single unit that you install is contributing to the building envelope. And if you don't do it properly, then you're going to have a problem where you just install something new. Mm -hmm. The second problem I have is that if you start regulatory in this and then having these additional fees attached to it for the training, Jason, you could probably attest to this. Clients are going to start to even squawk more because now that install is just going to go up. You want to hear what would make clients really squawk. So we had a gentleman in last year, some point who pointed out to us that according to the OBC, now I haven't confirmed this or not. You need scaffolding Mm -hmm. or a boom. Yes, you do. No ladders on site. Yes. Yeah. Go do that renovation retrofit. You can't. Yeah. You can't even drive around some people's backyards. Yeah. Even, even bring just, a bicycle into some people's backyards. You get backyards. into like a third store in an old red brick in the attic, yeah. a 32-foot, 40-foot ladder. Tell I client. stopped carrying my 32-foot ladder in my trailer when I was mm-hmm. subbing for a company because if I didn't have it, You'd I have can't use there. it. No, so the idea with OBC... Go tell the client that now you got to, you know, it's five grand for a cherry picker, so you can go change that window. And this is the so thing. Yeah, you, you're no, going to have to I'm going to hire the guy that's going to do it. I know, but the, then he becomes a, he becomes a YouTube video of ladders bowing to, you know, the point where Hawkeye is interested in using it for it. You and know I mean, I mean yeah. I'm a heavy guy, so when I was at my... Plus the window. Well, I mean, I would have to buy grade three, 300-pound-plus ladders because me with a tool belt with a window on my arm going up, I'm over 330 pounds carrying that up there. It's like, Jesus. So how do we do this then? Because the thing is, okay, so what's the average install price for a unit these days? I mean, on a window, say 500 bucks to install a window. That's going to double if triple. Yeah. If If you're a company... Like no, if you're if, if you're like you said, um, maybe not LePage, but one of their dealers, or even somebody who's just dealing, you know, your your Window City vinyl window, which seems to be pretty much the standard down in the yeah. GTA. At least a lot of people are going with that that level of quality, which is decent. They it's go pretty by good. Like a they, they have lower price. end. They've got much higher yeah. end square footage price. Where the installers may be making, I've heard guys tell us anywhere from eight nine dollars up to. 10 15 per square foot yeah the salesman's got to get his cut the company needs their overhead if you ask me they've probably got to be at least 50 to 60 dollars a square foot they're selling to the homeowner how many are doing that they're no not idea. they're not no that's the problem so I mean, now you're saying at least that's probably you want to add number, training sure. to this and you want to add yeah. proper obc guidelines yeah. to this right more well, actually it's more mol guidelines mm-hmm. people won't pay for it no. they'll spend the extra money and they're like they'll bend over backwards to get that lepage unit and, and spend four times the cost on a unit mm-hmm. but when it comes to the install they won't spend the extra money but the thing is no window and door company separates the costs up it's no. This is how much the product is to be installed, or it's nothing. 
Yeah. And some people will kind of like to trick the guys. They're like, well, give us an install price and give us a supply only price. So, of course, the install price is what it is. And then if they give them a supply only price, it's slightly inflated on the off chance. It has to be. Yeah. yeah. But we this is a that. homeowner doing this? Yeah, I've seen a lot of homeowners do that. Some people... Why? They're going to find the installer on Kijiji. Or sometimes they'll just start with, give me a supply only, and then they'll come back and say, well, we've changed our mind. Maybe give us a, a supply and install. Mm-hmm. So then they can g- see if they can get one over on the salesman, and they can see what the install is like. Well, we get that a lot, too, where you know, a homeowner will call us and be like, oh, Manny quoted us... It, sometimes they'll tell us, but oh, Manny quoted us like you know twenty grand to do siding. Well, how much is siding if we just want to buy? He said he's buying it from you. So what if we just buy it directly from you? One, I won't. We won't give him the price. Yeah. Or if we do, it's inflated because. So you'll still well, sell to homeowners. We do. We do sell to homeowners. Yeah. However, if we know that it's someone who's just trying to shop supply price to say, oh, but it's only. To figure out Eight, his nine, install. 10 grand in material. How, how is he charging me 20 grand? This and is my we, problem. We won't even, we won't even price the industry because they think that yeah. we're not worth the value of us installing it. But why you as clients? And I, and I love saying this. You're the one on the ladder. You're the one yeah, with the tools. You're the one like, who's got to rent the boom. Clients listen to this show. So then, like, why mm-hmm. would you want to take money away from someone who actually has the skill? Yeah. yeah. If you want to take money away from someone who doesn't have the skill, by all means do that because yeah. it's going to be a mess from the beginning. But if someone who actually knows what they're doing and then now you want to shortchange them, they'll either take the job on because they just want to take the job on, mm-hmm. but they ain't going to put it in fifth gear. Well, I've had no. that conversation with customers that'll have product. I got my door at Home Depot. I don't even install that anymore. I've gone beyond... No, because then they expect you to warranty the quality, well, because it's, not just your install. It's like if I go in to do a, a bathroom and I've already done all the prep work, I'm like, great, I didn't do it. I'm not putting tile up because I, mm-hmm. I, I now own that project once I walk away. And if it starts to leak, even it's though yours. I didn't do the waterproofing, it's, it's mine. Yours. If I install the door, even if I write on there in big, bold letters, I'm not warrantying this and that, I can still make a crap door work. But I walk away four months mm-hmm. later, middle of summer, everything's hot, yep. humid, doors sticking. Can you come adjust it? Ugh. Yeah. You know, so I will only install the product I sell, or if I know they got their product from a good supplier, but then nobody likes my install price because I'll say to them, it's not just the labor price, because now because you've you've saved money and that's great. I'm not trying to save money. Mm-hmm. Part of my pricing structure involves product. Profit on the product, profit on of all course. the other little things. Of course. You're not, I'm not getting that now. But you're so. handling the product too. So you're coordinating yeah. delivery yeah. and all this other stuff. And then also you handle the product when you're installing it. Yeah. So and you then that's got to sure. be made up somewhere yeah. else. And I tell the customer, like, you may have saved money on the material, but you're ending up spending the same if you get me to do it. Yeah. Or so. they call, so, you know, they'll, they'll call us and, okay, so now we'll ask, are you looking for supply and install or supply only? Are you getting your own contractor or are you looking for somebody to supply material and install? They say supply and install, ring off a list of phone numbers because you know what? It's not worth yeah. us getting into an argument with our clients because, you know, oh, they tried to save a few bucks. And then now the client's screaming at me because I'm still charging them 20 30 40 $50 a square foot to install yeah. this product. I'm like, well, yeah, you still got to make your money and your time. 
In I hindsight, understand it from like your guys' end, right? Yeah. With clients, like in hindsight, why don't they just shut up and pay the money? So then later on when they're sitting in their backyard, they're not arguing about the poor product, poor install. Why does a client not sign your contract and go with the guy who's well because they want to save this stupid money but it's the same stupid client it's the exact same that thing. will spend a thousand dollars on a outdoor designer fashion jacket mm-hmm. that you don't need to but you're doing it because you want that stupid you know map on your sleeve right yep. or you want the stupid camel toe on your sleeve or whatever it's called right yeah so it's just like they'll rather spend the money on that you know what i'm talking about moose knuckle whatever it is right? i don't know, I know but brand. i couldn't help looking at jason <laughs> laughing because i saw him chuckling <laughs> in the corner but what gets me with i'll all give that, everybody all kinds of new names but what man, gets me with, with the customer base is that i've lost jobs to other guys i know and you know, I'll go by and I'll look at the quality of the work. Yeah, but you you cringe. I see, I see it, and I'm like, oh my god. But the thing is, most people don't know the difference between. A lot of the homeowners don't. They don't even see it. I look at it going, oh my god. How many homeowners know if you've back buttered a towel before you put it down? Yeah. Well, it depends on how explicit you are on Instagram if you want to show it off. But the question yeah. is, okay, fine. So you showed off one tile that was properly done. Yeah. And then if you're a couple of twins, then you just spot bonded the thing, and that was it. And that's the extent of your talent, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, <laughs> I have a I had a good friend who actually approached me, and he was like, "I need to get some windows." And I'm like, "I gave him three, four names." Yeah. And he goes, "Man, they're so expensive." So he ended up going with some Russian guy that was a third the price. Within two years, he had frosted windows. Yeah. And then. He lived with that for 10 years until he had to change them all over again because he didn't want to. He was he was eventually going to spend what he was should have spent. Yeah. But, but now he he's ripping three times. Yeah. And that's not the point here. Right. All right. So we're talking to Alex here. Universal Lumen Products uh, website is universalluminproducts.ca. Alex at universalluminproducts.ca. And then on Instagram is universalluminproducts. Enough of a mouthful for you? Oh, it's a lot. It's <laughs> a you? lot. UAP, UAP. Um, yeah. So you guys carry a lot of siding products too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we carry the max siding, the steel. It's a beautiful wood grain. I asked product, you about actually. that. That yeah. stuff looks. Oh, Which one is it? Oh my uh, god. Mac Metal Architectural. Okay. Manufactured in Quebec, I believe, somewhere near Montreal. Beautiful. Is it nice? Yeah. Beautiful. It looks like wood organic. Oh, it's yeah. just. There's and... some samples in that goodie box I brought. Nice. For you over I want to take a look at some of that stuff. No, that's the longboard no. leading up against oh, the That's longboard. I know, the yeah. longboard, yeah. But I was actually just moving on to the... So you'll do these segments now there, Jason. I'll get you to do history, man. History. What's history? history? What are we going to talk about today? Jason. The history of cock. History of C-A-U-L-K. <laughs> so here's a funny. When I was doing that <laughs> window-wise program, I had to kind of give the instructor a little tongue lashing because he's a grown-ass man in a building with adults well we're men we're never really adults never and especially when you talk about (laughs) caulking and there's nothing worse than being up off on a ladder working in an old folks kind of retirement home yelling down hey johnny throw me up some more big black cock (laughs) the old ladies are like (laughs) but um he insisted and so many guys they just they pronounce the l Mm-hmm. Okay, we're gonna get some caulking done. Caulking, get me the caulk. That's an old school thing. And yeah. I just had to like, dude, caulking. Stop. It's he cock. was. He was. He wasn't English. Yeah. He was very North American white, and just refused to pronounce it. As How do you pronounce the L? I can't pronounce the L in that word. Caulk. 
Cock. Cock. It's cock. cock. I don't know, man. It's kind of like when somebody's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking? Pass yeah. me the cool quip. That's family guy. <laughs> exactly. Cool hip. What? Cool hip. So history of cock. Essentially, it came about um, on old ships. They'd use it as a form of chinking. Uh, and they would use the, uh, like, between the boards. Yeah. They'd mix it with different... So uh, we're going way back here. Yeah, like... Uh, like how far back? Four or five hundred years ago? Uh, well, I mean, as early as... As soon as there were ships to so, sail. So good old Columbus was a good cocker. Yeah. Would have I mean, been. And then they used the... <laughs> so they used... It's called oakum. And it's a preparation of tarred fiber used to seal gaps. They uh, still do oakum in, in traditional log buildings. As chinking. Yeah. Yes, they still do it that way. And that's where they discovered it after the ships to use it in the housing. Oh. And, there, and in some Scandinavian countries, I know that it's an actual profession. And there, there's a couple of, I think there's some shows of these log builders that still do old school chinking. They'll come wow. in and take it out and put it in and mix it. Th th that's the thing in Europe, and I hear that a lot in the States too, is your trades, so if you're a window guy, yeah. you only do windows. Yeah. yeah. There are door guys. There are cockers. Plus there's training there. Both. But there's like over, training, lots of training for yes, all the trades we talk there. about here, yeah, because they have like for scaffolding, you have guys that are licensed just in transporting it. Yeah. Then you have the guys that set it up. Yeah. Um, but even in, but even here, like in fenestration, you've got glaze, like professional glaze. It's a, yeah. it's a profession. Yeah. But I mean, We've that's all you do. Scaffolds for you. If oh, you want. yeah. Did Wait. you find out in there about? Okay, so when did caulking go from that extreme of the old building of the old shippers versus the tubes and and sausages and I guess an actual uh, an oil based or a silicone product? Well, Manny, the answer <laughs> came in the late nineteenth century from a man called John. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? name? John Dix. <laughs> no, are you kidding me? He was the son of Robert uh, are, Dix. Are you kidding me? <laughs> are you telling you me John Dix is the one that came over with caulking? But his el his partner was <laughs> Elmer <laughs> Elmer Wigan. So Dixon Wigan invented caulk. <laughs> man, I love <laughs> construction and where this all comes from. They man. began and produced caulk and other kinds of putty. <laughs> by the fifties, this could be bought in small containers used by homeowners. However, this cock was very much like putty and hardened quickly while lacking malleability. <laughs> In 64, the commercial companies, Corning and all these other places, then they developed and discovered latex and added it to there. And it wasn't until the 80s that silicon cock, now the preferred type, was invented. And then from that was there, the 70s, 80s, 80s, 80s. And then after the, and then it was. Uh, I had a note so rubbers here. came in in 60s, 60s. <laughs> Vulcanation, because you get nothing that. Um, and it was in 1894 that the first caulking gun was invented by Theodore Witt, a Canadian, mm. as a puttying tool. However, it's possible that they were in use prior from bakeries to inject into like. Baked goods, Boston okay. cream, makes sense, yeah, like that makes a like lot a of sense and things like that, but with a handle on. But it. they would have been they would have been doing piping bags first, and then I guess 
that would have been similar to bricklayers with yeah. mortaring joints and everything like that. You'd had, but you they had, put it into like a gun, just yeah. to make it easier, I guess. So, so the gun that was first invented is it very similar to what we're using today? There are no pictures of it. There's no pictures. I'm just curious if it was designed. It, it probably would have been like a maybe tube. tube size. Yeah. I mean, it's like a shovel, right? It's like yeah. how often? How can you change it? It would have to be a tube shape with some sort of applicator to press to push it down. I can right? even think of like a like a bellows type thing. Yeah, but now you're with all the caulking guns, you have all the fancy ones, and now you're getting battery powered. Everybody's getting into that action and all this other stuff, right? And that's the funny thing. Like, I have battery powered caulking. I mean, I'm 95% of the time manual. I used to only use a, ma a battery gun, is how I'm laying down for underneath a door long, six, eight foot, where you have to do double beads. Now, technically, would that be considered a vibrator in construction? A battery powered caulking gun? No. No, it doesn't hum that much. <laughs> it doesn't hum. I've tried to get no. It has one setting, right? It yeah. has one setting. Well, it, has, it either comes out real slow or just <laughs> spits it out like a fire hydrant. I can't believe the names behind the people that are associated with caulking, man. John Dick and Dick and Wigs. Dick, Dick and Wigs. <laughs> Dick and Wigs and caulking. Oh, I gotta love it. That's amazing. And that that was history. History of With Jason. <laughs> Where do we want to go from here, Alex? What do you want to chat about, man? Uh, well, I know you mentioned to me just before the break, the one, uh, the second time we rescheduled this podcast, the, the supply shortages. You were, yes. you were talking to Joe and you mentioned He's Well, shortages. that's what he asked me. He's like, when yeah. you see Alex, ask him about that. So that's why I'm asking. And he's going to listen to this, of course. And But yeah, you guys are going through what we're, everybody's going through. And we're all still trying to figure out. Sure, we, we know that China has... Chinese mafia holding all the containers hostage, and we all know that container, empty containers, are going back from yeah. North America to around the world. When because have you ever it, heard of an empty container going it's, back? That's ludicrous. You, you don't hear about do that, it. right? You don't even want a truck to leave. But you're you know, doing that because of the cost. That's why you're doing it. I was reading an interesting article when even when it comes to shipping, and just if you look at a form of control from higher-ups, whatever it is. So you're a truck driver going into a shipping port to pick up a container to take somewhere, depending on the line, how long you got to wait. Like, they get paid they get paid miles to run. They're not paid to wait. So if next thing you know, they're an independent contractor, they're coming in with their truck to pick up a load to take to wherever, any town USA, or a store or something that's around there, they're not even doing those runs anymore because they're losing half their day just waiting. And they're like, screw it. They'll, wow, go, do an, really? they'll wow. go do like an LTL somewhere else or do loads elsewhere. They won't even go to those. So that's why shipping even before like what we're dealing with mm -hmm. now uh, is getting so scarce is because the, sh the, the truck drivers aren't even interested in waiting because they're not being compensated for that time mm -hmm. to go and wait 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 get into the yard because you can go in there get in there quick or depending mm -hmm. you can have like a port with seven eight cranes going and That's maybe crazy. only two of them are working so well, how are you guys running this like i mean i feel for all the mom and pop shops like yourselves man how are you guys surviving like because obviously the costs are going through the roof the costs are going through which the roof. dig into your profitability you can only increase the price so much for your end user we have to do what the market does no matter really? how high my cost our, our cost goes we can't raise our price unless the market goes because otherwise it's going to be like, oh, Universal's up again, another increase. But that's but, the one thing but, I'll say about Universal is when everybody else kept going up, 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 I just called every now and then, double check, their pricing just stayed 
And the odd time it goes up a little bit, and I'm like, sure, it has to. I totally get it. We do the best we can, and we give as much notice as we can. But they were awesome. They would and give out still... like mail, like e- emails months in it. Hey, July 1st, we're going to be having this, like a month or two in advance, so you can prepare for it. But how are you guys surviving at that point? It's tough because it's not only the price increases, it's supply shortages. Yeah. And there's right, no indication right of this being turned around and the price is going down. Like, that's not going to happen. No. But what will happen is, especially, let's say, with aluminum, there's raw material shortages, which I find it difficult to understand because at least the aluminum that we sell, a lot of that's recycled. And recycling is at an all-time high worldwide for every time you hear it. Yeah. So So where is it coming from? Why isn't it coming in? We've been put on allocation from our main supplier. That never happened, but they were put on allocation from their main supplier, who's, you know, worldwide distributors. We grabbed credit with a, a large mill in the U.S. two years ago now, maybe a little bit more. Say middle of the end of 2019. First call was, okay, submit colors for color matching, the whole bit painting. No problem. Well, mm, don't call us till 2021. There's no supply. I'm like, Dude, it's still December of 2019. What do you mean there's no supply? <laughs> They're already telling you two years in advance. A year in advance, they knew. So we messaged them, you know, January, February, 2020. Six months, try us again. You know, so you message them again, June, July. Nothing for the rest of 2020. And that was for paint, right? That was for aluminum. Oh, for aluminum. Aluminum, the coil that that we buy. Did you have trouble getting paint or pigment or anything like that? We don't paint, so it wouldn't be for us. But I, I have heard from guys that yeah. there was a lot of the companies, the big boys, had trouble with their paint. Because towards the pigments. end of last year, I know a lot of product was held up in window shops. It was in, buddy. it wasn't glass. It was paint, like last pigments. Was, yeah, basically, we picked up this supplier. The end of 2019, we have not been able to order a single pound of aluminum from them, and since we, then, and we reached out. Uh, last week, completely sold out for the year. Try us again next January. This is for 2022? This for all of 2022. Jeez. Don't so contact how can us you again until 2023. Well, reach out, check in, but you will not be getting... So, so that was the new one. With our current supplier, who we've had for years, they're fantastic. They're doing the best they can to help us out. But again, they're tight too. So we're cut off at, I think, 600,000 pounds, which is a ton for what we've been used to like for what we go through in a year it was more than what we did in a normal year way less than we did last year not way but less than we did so last year. i guess the big so question is where do we go why why no can't idea. you get the aluminum why isn't the aluminum being recycled why isn't it why isn't it there i don't understand is it going to someplace else are you being pushed down the queue I, it's not just us though. I think. I it, mean, I our, think our supplier for manpower? the coils that we manufacture, like so, the ones we rolled down to soften and the flat stock, and that, you know, uh, our suppliers multinational. They're huge, you know, Canadian company, but they're massive, and they're being cut off on how much they can buy, and we're talking about a guy. So, if we order, you know, ten, twenty thousand pounds. Once upon a time, that was a huge order. Now it's like we're ordering for a full month at once. We're completely tapped out on orders from our main supplier until April. We've ordered all the aluminum they'll allow us to buy for the next three months. And we started ordering in November. So what happens May, June, the rest of the year now? Well, next month, 
they'll ask us to submit our orders for April. How do we know what the heck we need three months from now? Yeah. Right? You can only just assume. And they'll do what they can to help us out. They've always been fantastic with us. No complaints whatsoever. So but is everybody having this problem? Like, is this not just? It's not just us. Oh, it's, it's not a, just our it's industry. It's the board. Window companies can't get screens. The installers aren't getting paid because the homeowner's going, oh, well, you didn't finish my job. There's no screens. Right? And the installer goes, well, I'm just a subcontractor. You got to pay the company. They got to pay me. They come to, they come into our place and then they go, oh, uh, I can't pay you today. I haven't been paid for the job yet. But did you finish the job? Yeah, it's finished. Why haven't you been paid? Who's not paying you? The screen door, right? It's or just whatever. The window it is. screen, not even a screen door. The window screen. Wow. Or and, and so many homeowners will and, give and that's like minor. They'll give that's a deposit. They'll come and do the job, mm -hmm. and then they're like, "Well, until you fix this issue, this issue." Are well, the installers mm -hmm. taking the risk of just let's install it, even though we're missing a screen door or whatever it is, and we'll hope that the client will pay? Mm -hmm. Because it's not just the installer, and it, screens are the minor thing. Yeah. It, no glass, no vinyl. Well, the glass no is the other and, issue that Joe told me about. Why? Yeah. Like cardinal glass is just a monopoly bowl. Like really? They cut off most of Canada other than the big boys. Yeah, I which is a joke. Like yeah. I can't. Well, like from I've my been, understanding. I've been installing windows mm -hmm. and I'm using foam board <clears throat> to put in where the glass is just so they can get the window in. Okay, but it, it's like it's up. 2022. Why mm -hmm. hasn't a nation like Canada become more self-sustained? Why do we have to rely on cardinal because glass? Because we've, we've so removed a lot of those companies from here. Yeah. So Reynolds Aluminum used to be up here. I don't know what they make up here now, but I know the aluminum that we purchase all has to be imported because they're not allowed to make it in Canada anymore for all whatever the, reason. All the, all the tax rebates they took away from all the companies. Everybody left because it was cheap. All these other places in the States, in South America, in Europe, they'd all great tax incentives. Here's all these things. Like they'll give them money to come in, well, set stuff not, up, Not even the tax incentives. Them. Go do $14 an hour here, minimum wage. Oh, yeah. For a guy that just has to sit there and stare at yeah. a press all day versus like a six, seven, eight dollars in some of the states. Yeah. Hasn't it been less... disgusting to see this whole pandemic going on and all of a sudden, like, you watch the minimum wage just keep on going up? It's brutal. Like, but this thing is, is insane, man. But they're all like. That's not the solution. I don't know who no. comes up with this. It must be the same people that just decide to print money and think that it's okay. But what we're yeah. seeing now is we're seeing a result of how everything's just gone to shit. And now we've. Everything's outsourced and gone elsewhere, and now we're feeling the effects of that. Mm -hmm. So for us to fix it, we need to bring everybody back in. Which, which is what you should. You should have politicians here actually advocating for that. Yeah. So we think. could be self-sustained. You would think being self-sustaining would be better. But then also don't do the stupid move that they did with lumber, where the U.S. gets our lumber first before we do. Mm -hmm. Our own lumber that's actually grown here. Yeah. They, the were US that. they were doing that with meat. Like the meat companies, Cargill, these big that. companies, like all the great beef that you see that's mm -hmm. in Montana, all that stuff that's being made in Canada, Alberta, that's all getting shipped elsewhere. And then all the stuff that's like taking out the rainforest in South America and all that kind of stuff, that's all being pumped into our country. That's oh, what we man. get on the shelves. Wow, eh? Okay, your point on the lumber. Sorry. So now, no, no, no problem. No, it's, it's <laughs> off topic, but on topic. So you just mentioned the lumber. So. Now, like you said, it just went back up double, back to six bucks. Well, realistically, stupid as it sounds, people are used to paying about six bucks for a two by four now or more, right? I mean, it's been well, this they way got for used two years. to it last year. We, yeah, they got used for to it 11, last year. Yeah. So, what we find 
in on our end, and I'm sure somebody like Tony, Mississauga Hardware will say the same thing. So if the price of a commodity goes down, what you would like to see, what we would like to see as suppliers, obviously, is the industry keeps their prices where it is, even though the cost is lower now. Would be nice for everybody. But one thing, my father says it the best, but there's always somebody who's smarter than you who can sell it for less. Yeah. And it's ruins true. it for everybody. It's true. But we and, and also, a few years back, we got screwed for parity. Oh, yeah. When we were actually at parity, you know, our government refused to fight the South, mm-hmm. U.S. And I know that we have a lot of U.S. listeners, but they refused to fight it because we were still paying more for the same product, even though our dollar was at parity, which wasn't fair. And their mm-hmm. argument was like, well, it's a goods and services commodity. Mm-hmm. So we purchased this product months ahead in advance. Yeah. But yeah, that parity went on for over a year. Mm-hmm. So that's not about producing and, and purchasing power. No, that's just about greed is what it is. And that's my problem. Greed leads to recession. Mm-hmm. That's where we're headed. I mean, I know we don't like to get political on this podcast. Oh, I love getting <laughs> political. But I mean... We that, don't talk about controversial things either. <laughs> Never. No. But, um, you know, that's what happens when you got a school teacher leading the country and not a politician. <laughs> a drama <laughs> teacher. Oh, drama teacher. I apologize. That's even worse. All they ever yeah. did was smoke weed and just told you that you're doing well. Yeah. That's all it is. You're, you're doing, doing well. You're doing all right, kid. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be somebody. Yeah. yeah. You're going to be somebody that ruined the country. Yeah. Uh, but that's a whole other thing. But it's just like, I, I get it. I understand what your dad's saying. I understand mm-hmm. what, what the industry is saying. Like, why not us? We're all making cake. Everybody's making cake. Yeah. Let's just enjoy it. Go out there and just tell your clients that, sure, I understand. Two years ago, it would have cost X amount to hire a person like me with a skill level. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's X times two, X times three, or whatever it is. Yeah. But the thing is, there's going to be an end to this. Every great relationship is just like life, man. There's mm-hmm. a beginning, there's a middle, and there's certainly an end. You can never avoid the end. Mm-hmm. So what's going on right now with this whole COVID and all the prices and the costs and everything, there is an end to this. Yeah, there has to be. There has to be. You, Absolutely has you to can, be. It cannot continue this way. History will not allow us to do that. That's all it is. Yeah. I'm trying to prepare for it. I mean, yeah, and like you said, homeowners listen to this and, you know, they think we're making money hand over fist. We, not we true. Have clients not come true. In, they'll be like, oh, what are you, you know, what are you selling caulking for? A tube of Supra. Uh, at the time was less than this, but let's say it's close to five bucks now, give or take. And a client, good client, was here regularly. It was, you know, oh, I need a discount. Why do you need a discount? Because I buy a lot. We respect that. How much do you think we pay for it? Because trust me, we're not making much. It's like, oh, $2 and change a tube. My father was speaking to him and he turns around and goes, if I was paying $2 a tube for caulking and selling it for four, it's the only thing I would sell and I'd already be retired. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Trust me. Because, you know, people But people talk, have this perception. They people have, think. And, and a lot of people coming into business, any business, especially any form of retail, you know, a lot of people have asked those 10% your magic number. It's like, no, absolutely not. Because 10% of a dollar is 10, it's 10 cents. 10% of a thousand is a hundred bucks. That's decent markup. It really depends on the item. Yeah. I, I do know for a fact. And on tools, there's absolutely no markup. Oh, there's no markup. Like, I mean, when I've spoken to tool suppliers and tool shops, they make their money off accessories. Yeah. Right. And we go through accessories like nothing. It's toilet yeah. paper to us. Right. So it's good for them. They don't make money off of tools. No. There, there's bare minimum on markup on all these tools. It doesn't matter which brand it is, it's bare markup. 
the one industry that is making hand over fist and enjoying it and loving it and retiring with extra amounts of money that they probably would have taken an extra decade to retire to get to is the lumber industry. Yeah. Any lumber shops in Canada, I don't know how it is in the U.S., but I'll speak for Canada, they're making a boatload of money. Boatload hope of my money. my father listens to this. We guess they're bringing in more lumber. <laughs> <laughs> but then you're going to compete. You're going to compete against oh, all yeah. these other guys. That's the problem, and that yeah. you're going to have a bigger problem because then you get the suppliers who are who are basically you've got these other smaller oh, yeah. people that are trying to start, and they're going. You can't ignore the relationships you've had for decades Agreed. with established right. ones, like just, just because you're a small guy. Supplier, exactly right. So the and moment you do that, you lose. You lose at that point, right? Oh, yeah. But so. then you've also got your competition that's doing the unethical things of lying about where people are in location just so they can get the same discounts i'm nowhere near i'm not in his sales neighborhood i'm not anywhere near him mm -hmm. and then it turns out that yeah you are and yeah. then that that gets difficult like if i want to be a distributor for a certain product i'll tell them where i live oh we can't sell that to you because you're in so-and-so's district mm -hmm. but then if i just pull an arbitrary address or somebody that i know as far a friend's address Give, they're never going to verify it. Yeah, and then but, next but that happens a lot, oh, and yeah. that happens with every industry, especially somewhere where it's it's just saying construction in general. I mean, you know, if you walk into a new tile supplier, they've never met you before, they have no idea who you are. You'd be like, "Oh yeah, I do." You know, ten houses a year, I do a hundred bathrooms a year. That has no weight during these two years. Does that? But that it has, has no. It has no weight even in regular times because you know what? Do we want your business? I don't care if you're buying one tuba caulking. If you're buying one skid of caulking, if you're buying 10 feet of casing, or you're buying yeah. 200, realistically, it's just show, show us. Yeah. If don't, you're don't just in walk there. in day one and be like, oh, we do lots. Oh, I need, we need 300 feet of casing. It's like, well, yeah, we got to buy 10,000 feet at a time. Yeah. <laughs> when you, say you, know, you go when you say you go through a lot... We go through a lot. So yeah. the funny thing yeah. is that you got the industry telling the people who are speaking up to just shut up mm -hmm. and just accept it and pass that cost yeah. onto the consumer. Mm -hmm. But like your dad said, there's always going to be clients that are going to say, well, I get what your price is and I got another guy who's in the same class as you and I get his price and mm -hmm. I got another guy who's also in the same class as you yeah. guy, and then he's got his price and it's in the same ballpark, but I found this guy on Kijiji and he can do it for a fraction of what you guys are going to do it. And they'll hire that person and mm -hmm. just basically what you're doing is you're hiring problems at that point. Yeah. But yet you'll get the job done, mm -hmm. but it ain't going to get done. And There's a line you to come fix it. Yeah, and then I'll never do that. I'll never speak to the client again. I, I've I've spoken yeah. about this on the show yeah. where I said the moment you dismissed me and I'm no longer a part of the the quoting or the scope or whatever, and you hired somebody else, then you don't have access to me anymore. Yeah. That's it. I'm done, yeah. and that's that's just me being fair and professional. Yeah. But I mean, like, how are we continuously? You got a lot of guys arguing about you should have been going with the times and increasing. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I don't. My argument with that was that. Us raising our labor rates was never in line. You talk about how you guys have kept yeah. your, your pricing, your as increases best can, yeah. as best you can. But labor-wise, there's no way that you could increase your labor rates the same way the lumber industry was going up. Never. No. Can you imagine if you went from <laughs> 40 bucks an hour last summer, last winter, and then when the 2 by 4 got to three times, four times the price, now you're commanding $160 yeah. an hour? 
there's no client in their right mind is going to pay for that, to agree yeah. to that. You'd be working one job a year. That's maybe. it. <laughs> but they'll pay that for a painting. They will. <laughs> they will for all these they need <laughs> sub the wolf or, and all this other yeah. crap. But totally, they would totally do that, yeah. right? But that's where the disconnect is about construction. And I've yeah. always said that there's always 10% of the construction industry that you actually want to mm-hmm. hire. And then there's the other 90% that just wants to be jokers. Yeah. But the clients are constantly looking at the 90%, comparing the prices to the 10%, which is the wrong way of doing it. Speaking Definitely. of wood, the trims and, and jams and everything that you bring in, mm-hmm. now is that milled to your specifications? Or it's is not specific to us, specific to our supplier. It's a supplier, but okay. I mean, like the two and three quarter colonial is going to be yeah. pretty much universal. Three and a half colonial, There, I've seen a couple of different profiles out there. We yeah. try to keep the same one. And how Absolutely do you, all the time. And how do you find their supply? Like, are you strained with them, or is that pretty good so far? They've been very good to us. Yeah. Very Has finger joint us. gone up as much as regular? Uh, well, it's never going to be as much as solid. No, but it, it hasn't increased the it same has, way. It has gone up, but I wouldn't say astronomically. I think a lot of the price increase has been more from the container cost. Yeah, from, from my understanding. Yeah, anyways. no, containers have, like, from, not even quadruple, quint, from, quinta, like, yeah, frig, five man. times. Five times, three, man. From three to $5,000 to $25,000. Yeah, I know. That's, that's what I'm hearing. How are you guys making money on that? I don't understand how that works. It's a tough market. There's been so many it's people tough. I've interviewed on the show where it's like it's small shops, and they've told me the same thing. Containers from three to five have gone to 20 to 25. Yep. And that's it's funny, a huge the, the increase. More, the more product that's on the container gets divided by that overall cost. So it's, you know, if you have like 100,000 mm-hmm. widgets on the container, take that container cost, divide it by, you know what I mean? But the, with casing, I mean, even you got a 40-foot container, let's say. It can only I don't hold know how so much, much weight. It can only hold so much weight. Yeah. You know, the standard length for a two and three-quarter inch casing is 14 foot two inches. Yeah. You know, a three and a half casing, standard length, 16 foot. Yeah. Right? There, there are guys who sell, have shorter lengths, or you can buy shorter lengths elsewhere. Not not here. We, we just try to sell full lengths. Yeah. Uh, it's just easier for stock, well, yeah. honestly. But, right? How many can you fit in a 40 foot container? You put two 16 foot lifts back to back, you can only stack them so high. Yeah, because they're 40 feet long. Yeah. And, and then, then you've you got that. eight feet of space for what? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, it's waste. Yeah. I'm sure, well, that's why we don't we try to stay away from importing because it's just it's uh that's, no, that's but it's a, a lot other... it's a lot and it's a game we don't want to get into because you know what we have very good reputable suppliers in this country for anything you need who have everything certified who get everything checked out for the proper channels they have their connections overseas or wherever they need to bring in this product from why would you know it'd be nice to yeah but why should we put in that overhead? Because now not only do we have to order the container with product we need today and know it's going to be here in three months, then we have to have the next container already on the water anticipating us to yeah. sell out of that. Yeah. And this is the problem we're having with ordering aluminum right now is how the heck do we know what we need three months from now? So here's no the big, here's the huge variable for you guys, yeah. right? Because your dad has seen it and you've seen it and, mm-hmm. and both of us have seen it. But the majority of contractors in this industry right now, because there are millennials and elder millennials, have not seen it or felt it. And what happens if you order all that stuff and all of a sudden the recession hammer drops? What yeah. happens at that point now? 
But now you're you, stuck with all this stuff. Can't you go yeah. back on your previous year? I'm just wondering, like... I don't look, think there's a modeling for this, man. Not, not for this. No, I mean, I don't, the last I don't, two years have like, been like, like nothing Even if ever you seen. looked at your modeling from before, you, you know you're moving more. We're moving more and more every year. But then right. they're only giving you specific amounts that you're... Even let's say you need... I need 100 units, and they're like, mm -hmm. we can give you 40. Because they're no, they're giving you limits yeah. on what you can order, right? Not so much the wood, the the wood and the caulking and that. It's just really just been the aluminum, aluminum that's yeah. been that really big issue. However, you know the wood, the casing, the shims, they have run out. They've yeah. dried out. It's like hey, there's a delay. There's like you were saying, they'll give the you so much all at once, and then it's yeah. crickets for a while, right? Yeah, and then all that crap out in BC last year just killed oh, the mudslides coming over. Mudslides, <sighs> fires, fire, floods. Come on, man. Freezing. Mudslides. I'm not even going to buy that one. I just like, that's just, they landed on the moon and it wasn't Kubrick. I, I just like, <laughs> I, I, what I wanted to ask you was, are you hearing from all the guys that are coming in here talking to you going, I'm booked for the year. I'm booked for the year. Are you hearing a lot of that or uh, no? Not so much for the year yet, but, you know, there was a gentleman here the other day said he was going to install a, a small job that he sold last August. And it's just ready now yeah i believe that i believe that yeah august sure yeah so you know and a lot of the the window manufacturers they stopped selling for 2021 as like september october last year they said so forget it now you're getting to get here's it the problem year. with you guys in this industry this particular part of the construction industry okay you may be booked for the year or you're you're booking for the year the problem is that you're waiting on product yeah you like the truck drivers you waiting on product doesn't make you money no. Installing product makes you money. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why, as a window and door guy, that's why I jump back onto bathrooms and renovations. Not too you big. You have to diversify. Not too, not too big because it's mm -hmm. only me and the me and my son. So the two of us can... But I mean, somebody wants a whole basement renoed. I'm like, this is a 12-person team job, and the two of us aren't going to cut it. No, but you have that to fall back on. Yeah. Where um, a lot of guys Majority of window don't. guys don't. Well, so many window guys... I mean, the ones that are doing it on their own, they're their own entity, their own business. They're managing, they're diversifying. If they're doing it properly. If they're doing it properly, they're doing some siding, they're doing windows, they're doing some decks. They maybe mm -hmm. take on some indoor stuff. But you got all these guys who are subs who eventually give up all their side jobs because mm -hmm. the company itself just sucks that time yeah. out of them. Some companies will even, because you're, you show up, they'll pay you as a sub, but you drive their truck. They supply the heavy tools. You supply your hand stuff. Yeah. But they'll even make you sign stuff that says you're not taking our truck and doing stuff on the weekend. Yeah. Like well, that's you can't the thing do too. As, as a sub, it is weird because this is really my opinion. You're a subcontractor. You're working for Manny. When your job is complete, you would assume that Manny would pay you. Yeah. No holdbacks because that's not it, assuming that's not part of your contract. Yeah. You know? Where there's a lot of these guys are, oh, you know, there's a holdback. I'm like, but aren't you a subcontractor? Yeah. Why is there a holdback? Yeah, I don't understand. If you're that, a sub I, I don't know how their contracts look. I don't know what's going on. No, I understand. If you got to go back and fix it, you better go back and fix it. Of course. If there's a holdback but, because because some some places I saw. If you're an employee of said company. You get a check every two weeks You get no a check what. every two weeks and there's holdbacks on the job are not your issue. Yeah. And even if you're a sub and there's a holdback, it doesn't matter. If yeah. you're a sub, you finish the job. The customer doesn't pay company A, whatever. Why should, why company they A penalize pays you? your sub. Otherwise, mm -hmm. the sub is giving you the finger going, there's plenty of work out there. I'll find it elsewhere. In a perfect world. Yeah. 
course. <laughs> do we have some OBC talk there, Jason? Or do we have some Green Book talk, some well, safety talk? I couldn't find the Green Book talk. Okay, so we'll ignore the Green Book talk today. Um, since we're... Okay, I've never seen one of those. I went along <laughs> just with... Uh, Want to see one? It's on my dash. <laughs> <laughs> some of the things I thought interesting about was the uh, insulation, since we were talking about spray foam and on that topic. I think I might actually take the cue from Snoop Dogg. And that I don't know if I sent you that video from Instagram where he was asked if he ever used a part of the Bible to roll a fatty because he, <laughs> he didn't have any papers. And I started thinking, well, holy, the, holy green, smokes. The, the green book, the green book might be good for rolling fatties. The paper's a little bit thicker. Is it a little thicker? That's Bible, what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what the fine for that would be for removing pages from the green book. 250. <laughs> well, I was going to say 550. Or oh, actually, it'd be 420. 550 fine <laughs> for rolling for, papers for out of the green it book. It would be 420. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we went on a tangent no, there. Right. <laughs> Is it 420? It's a, um, I was just looking at uh, our values for for insulation walls above ground. So 24. Ab- pardon me? 24? 22 to 29. Okay. If, this I found interesting, I looked at this little blurb here, that depending on how the house is heated, so if you... Uh, Traditional if forced air? Your AFUE, your annual fuel utilization efficiency is above 90%, then above ground, you can have R22 to R27. But if you're heating with electric baseboards, then a minimum of R29. So depending on the heating appliance you're why, having... Your why home, would you be heating with... I guess it depends on well, where... If you're, if, but if, if you're base, stuck right? up north... If yeah. Gases, Propane? I, I guess I mean, not. Technically, electricity is 100% um, efficient. Right. It's just expensive. Oh, yeah. Presumably. It's expensive. Yeah. And I guess now with the old OBC, there's also, you've got to have our minimum R6, I think, on the outside first uh, for I thermal bridging to avoid. I didn't see building envelope. I was just looking at uh, these are energy codes for commercial and residential. I know, but see, the problem with that, the OBC, well, there's thousands of problems with the OBC. Where to start? Uh, the, the problem is that it's a system. That's the one lesson that I took from any kind of insulation, sheathing, zip system, whatever it is, man. It's a system. If you don't do the entire home that way, including all the protrusions, the windows, the the termination exit points for your HRVs and for all your mechanicals, if you don't seal it properly, then the overall system fails. And technically speaking, you will never achieve R22 to R27 or R29. I'm still watching electricians staple plastic just a plastic sheet behind the yeah. box. I mean, we have, like there was, you take every junction box that's on an exterior wall where the wire's poking through, that little bit of air that's No now, caulking, no nothing. They're coming, you multiply that versus all of those. You get a basketball size hole. Now, I've never taken a window out of a house that's had tuck tape, uh, acoustical seal, any of the proper building envelope, nothing. In... 25 years, I've never taken anything out that's been built properly. I've never seen the building code actually be interested or any inspector be interested in a negative pressure test of a house. No. They've never, I've never had one have a conversation with me Why about what that's the ACH is. Code. Well, that, that it doesn't, to them, it doesn't matter. But the problem is that at that point, they have blinders. 
mm-hmm. because they're looking at okay so i've had you know james on the show from jm uh, insole where he was getting flack from inspectors on how his poly was taped in certain areas yeah and i'm just saying okay but what about all the protrusions on the exterior and how that was done or how the windows were done like the, the inspector's not paying attention to that even even siding in general people got siding up They'll just drill a hole through the siding, yeah. put an exterior light. They're not using the proper box to drain yeah. water away. Like, it, nothing. Like, I, yeah. I, I see that on building it. construction, yeah. new construction nowadays. House wrap just wrapped in. They'll put the tuck, the, the, they'll put the vapor barrier in, run some tuck tape. There's no, because consi- no, everyone's paid the cheapest amount to get the job done, move on. There's no quality. Con- and high, on a custom build, they take. They're paying attention. They're using the zip systems. They're using the 3M, the stretch. From tapes. my understanding, the zip system is not perfect. One house I the just way did. The no, well, One it house is. I just did recently. A builder that they got screwed from material. They were supposed to mm-hmm. use the zip system that, like the two-inch thick wall. They ended up just getting the like just the sheathing itself. Mm-hmm. Two-inch actual or nominal. Two inch actual, like because it's like an inch and a yeah, half. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. It's like an inch and a half with the yeah. like the seven and sixteenths OSB, the mm-hmm. green. And I know that doing that when you put your tape on, you have the special roller and it's got all the little dents in it. So mm-hmm. if they ever rip it apart and see, well, it was installed properly. But this was a modular home put together, craned in, and every joint was like. Uh, proud, overlapping, buckled. Yeah. It was the worst I've ever seen. Yeah. And well, that's... Fun fact, Jason gets his tuck tape here as well, so we have that if you need any. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? You have yeah. all of it? You need the red flag, and if you, or if you need the blue one, we've got both. <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome. Like, like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a drive for me, but I mean, I'm coming down to pick up product to do stuff anyway. you got to plan it and yeah. just come out yeah. here, right? That's why, yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's yeah. a lot of guys will say, like, why you go down to... You can get it locally for the same price or a little bit more. But, I mean, the relationships you build with people... So that's paramount. Jesus, that's... That's, that's important to us, too. It's the relationships huge. With our guys. And like you were saying with the, with the testing, you know, the um, negative air testing the homes. Well, the funny thing is when they water test windows... We've had multiple guys tell us that uh, the, you, should, you need to caulk the drain holes or it won't pass a water test. That makes no because sense. too much water is draining. And it's like, well, what do you mean? That's the whole point of the drain hole. It's like, no, if we don't caulk the drain holes, it will not pass because there's water coming out. But they say water is getting in behind. Yeah. Well, that's it's a like fault that's in the design the, of the actual product. But it's funny that, if you look that's at the point of the drain hole in the bottom of the window. Yeah, like if you, water you gets want it condensation if you want to build extra, yeah. But if the inspector sees water coming out, fail. That makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense and to I, me. And I've said this before, man, and I've and actually I just re-listened to one episode because it just became the number one episode on, on all the podcasts that I have, which was from Jeff from GL Plumbing. Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy that it was just me and him talking about plumbing, yeah. right? And it was a really good show, and it just over the holidays, it became number one. And there was a part in there where we were talking, and he brought up the inspectors, and he brought up about how inspectors sometimes they rub you the wrong way and they have blinders on. And mm-hmm. and the thing is, yeah, we all want to be respectful, but I want everybody to understand that inspectors are still human beings and they don't, you've gone through the OBC book. I gave you my books there, right? So yeah. you can, it's, it, you need a degree to understand that. And that's not even all of it because they keep on adding more yeah, and the changes I and mean, whatever. I'd, I'd be curious to see all the, and uh, no inspector knows every single thing that's in there. And no, also it's, it's not applicable hundred thousand percent to the application that's being built in that situation. 
So you you got a, a fresh mind coming in here as an mm-hmm. inspector looking at something, and they could have blinders on how they're so used to doing certain things, but it could still be wrong. Yeah, of course. And that's why they'll get an engineer in. He'll give them a stamp drawing, says the inspector looks at it going, well, that doesn't look right. Well, this engineer stamped it yeah. saying it does, and all it is is covering our ass, yeah. and they got it covered. I think they dislike those engineer letters now because it kind of just says... It makes them look wrong, and that's they basically hate that. it. It's an ego. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. But, I mean, set it aside. I'm sorry. You're a human being. You don't know everything. Yeah. Yeah. So that was an yeah. interesting OBC. We could chat about that. That should just be a whole show on its own. Yeah, but I don't sure. know if anybody from OBC would actually come on the show because... <laughs> I highly doubt that the way that'll ever, I'll here. take the fifth on that. I'll take <laughs> oh, the yeah. fifth on that one. I'll take the fifth on that one. It's just yeah. like you get you they won't be able to give you a definitive answer. No. No, because then which part do you apply it to? Oh, there's I all kinds. When I was in college, we that's studied exact, the, yeah. the you know, the building code a little bit because I studied uh, fire prevention over at Seneca and it was like, Okay, well even something as simple as, you know, bathrooms, wash, closets, well, which part? In a restaurant, residential. Yeah. And it's all different. So, so it's like, yeah. And you could hit like three different parts in the same building. It's like, what do you mean? It really depends on the application. That's all it is, man. It's so, like, mind-boggling. We got to wrap this up soon, uh, Alex. Is there anything yeah. else that we didn't touch upon? What did we miss? Did I think we miss the full anything? extent of our product line, like, we do have a lot. So we are uh, also distributors for Freud Diablo. So Really? Freud Diablo. Like we said, add fast. You can get you a whole nut list of colors. Kind of makes sense. You guys stock. are Italian. You guys carry Kissing Italian accessories, the, man. A lot of, <laughs> Mal- all of the Malco products. Malco products, not so many, but we have access to everything. Same yeah. with Diablo. So like, we don't stock a ton, but we can get you anything. But you like need. a phone call and it's... A phone call. Yeah. G- you know, give me a few days to call the rep. Something we were talking we'll about. The, um, yeah. Like the suction cup. Mm-hmm. Those types of tools in general, they're getting harder to come by, eh? Depends. I know the ones out of uh, Germany. Yeah. Were C- they got a little bit tough to get the CR early on. Uh, they private label their own. As oh, far as okay. I know, we're talking the uh, the Verbor. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm hearing the, the, the motorized ones, the battery ones, or whatever. The Grabo. They don't. Yeah, I've seen those. They don't last. I hear. I hear that they fail. It's like a plastic piece of the handle or the mechanism that are. The thing with the battery ones is... Anything fails. Depends how you guys treat it. It's like when someone will come in here for a foam gun, they'll be like, hey, I want to buy the Hilti foam gun. How much is that thing? A thousand? Buck fifty? Depending where you go. Uh, We're (laughs) retailing it right now for about 120 bucks. Yeah. Right? I mean, I used to to get... You used to buy three... But that's not battery, is it? No, no. No, Just a foam gun. Then we got, got, you know, your standard off-the-shelf one that's like... Like Does Hilti make a battery version of that? Uh, not of the foam applicator. They do make uh, battery caulking guns because the foam gun is just pressurized. Yeah. So yeah. The, the battery caulking gun Hilti. What's the cost of that baby? Mm, off the top of my head, I don't know. But you know, generally with let's say Hilti, you know, your bare tools average price compared to bare tools of even Milwaukee. There's usually DeWalt, twice the price. It's their batteries. That's what it is. It's their batteries. Oh, okay. It's their batteries. You're like 150 bucks, 200 bucks for a battery versus like 50, 60 bucks. I don't for own a other single Hilti tool. Not one. I We've got all two, kinds in the I've, back. You want some? I bought two <laughs> demolition <laughs> hammers. Carlito would love that, yeah. but no. <laughs> I, got, I got two de- two demolition hammers used. They looked like they've been through war and back. Mm-hmm. And every time I use them on a job... But should they work like new? I'm just... I still, like, I finished the job, and I'm like, there's no way this thing made it. That's awesome. So, all right. right? So, everybody can c- come check out Universal there. Yeah. Uh, even if we don't stock it, 
you guys will find it. We'll find it. We got lots of suppliers. Yeah. Lots of different things. Universalaluminumproducts.ca. Alex at Universalaluminumproducts.ca. And it's on Instagram at Universalaluminumproducts. You ready for the 12 questions? Shoot them. What is your favorite construction word? Payment. <laughs> Approved. <laughs> Approved. What is your least favorite construction word? Oh, I can't afford to pay you today. <laughs> Jesus. What turns you on in construction? On time payment. Man, three, three, three for three on payments. Hey, you you got to understand We're on the retail end. Yes. Uh, kids are coughing for all the eyes can see. <laughs> what turns you off in construction? Not paying your sub trades. <laughs> four for four. Man, we can keep going. I'm telling you, I'm on the retail and I'm sure Tony will give you some more answers. What is your favorite curse word? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty standard. What is your favorite vehicle? Can be anything in the world. Oh, see, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a big car guy. But if you're gonna get me in. It could be any vehicle. You got to remember, Carlito loves the space shuttle. Yeah, I don't know that's because he thinks they use PL on it. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> he, but, uh, he believes it. Yeah. No, nah, you get me an old car. I want like something 1930s, 1940s. Mm. Top speed, like 40 miles an hour, and just leave me alone. <laughs> where, you, where you can feel the leaf springs in that's them, man. It. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. is your least favorite vehicle? Anything that looks like a box. Is the, the Honda Element. On the element, the, the, cube. The, the, the cube, the cube. The, the, yeah. Where's the other one? They have the joke. The joke. The vajuke. I call it the vajuke. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the Land Rovers too. The Land Rovers, are, they have nice interiors, but they look like a box. I saw one lady. I was going to my fiance's place one day. She had a convertible Land Rover. It was the weirdest looking what? vehicle. A convertible I've ever seen Land. In my life. Yeah. It's a convertible SUV. Figure that one out. Huh. I, I, I thought you only see those with gunships in the back or something. You would like, assume so, right? Those were mostly Toyota pickup trucks, right? <laughs> yeah. And somewhere in Africa. Somewhere in Africa with a 50 cal mounted on the back. <laughs> We've got a few listeners in Africa, so they know what we're talking about. What construction sound or noise do you love, Alex? A pneumatic nailer, i got to say. Yeah. What construction sound or noise do you hate? Somebody dropping something. Just anything that shouldn't be dropped. When you broken hear window, broken when you glass. Hear makes when you hear something, their head when you hear so something dropping like, in dead silence, yeah, and the person's know, looking right? going, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. But you're standing next to the broken <laughs> <laughs> what countertop or whatever. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I wouldn't mind working as a GC or working for a GC. Wow. Be someone... And, and your first four answers were about money and you want to be a GC? Well, hang on. I wouldn't want to be <laughs> the GC. It'd be like, you know, your right-hand guy. Site I'll super. Go, I'll, go, I'll go run a site for you. Yeah. Site, site super. super. That's okay. it. Yeah. What profession would you not like to do? Anything that sticks me in a cubicle. It's an office job. Brain I have an office job. I know. Partially I know. It's, it's true. But you got a bigger office than a cubicle here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? came down to the wire but you did it but <laughs> <laughs> you didn't sell enough car <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny to hear actually if you, yeah. did, if you did hear that <laughs> thanks so much alex for inviting us into your home here man and learning a little bit more about the business and Anytime, uh yeah. welcome by furnace russell we, we oh for sure man uh we'll we wish now. you all the best we wish you all the best and hopefully this madness turns hopefully. thank you for this uh cured the cured meat you the gave us, which problem. was amazing. And then we had a little bit of food here, and we really appreciate it. But, yeah, yeah definitely going to have an espresso, man. 
But yeah. uh, it's good to finally meet you after we were chatting, and yeah. it's always great to have conversation, conversation, like construction yeah. conversations. Yeah, pancetta, and pancetta, uh, and that one's capicola. capicola. Jason's just stuck on the meat, oh, huh? Oh yeah, delicious. <laughs> I'm surprised he hasn't been picking at it this whole time. <laughs> no, He's I been listening <laughs> diligently, <laughs> but I can see his mouth watering over there. <laughs> Everybody, please check them out at website universalaluminumproducts.ca and Alex at universalaluminumproducts.ca and at Universal Aluminum Products on Instagram. Yeah, make sure it's Universal Aluminum Products. You get Universal Aluminum, you'll get next door through the installation end. Oh. And they do commercial windows. They don't want to hear your questions about caulking. You know, he, he kind of <laughs> gave me that look there. He's like, you're looking on the other side there, man. In Woodbridge. Uh, in Woodbridge, yeah, that's Woodbridge. where it's at. Jason, thanks so much for being on the show and co-hosting with me and uh, and finding all the research there. You know, now you get a now you get a grasp of all the work that's involved to that's produce right. this show. I'm glad I'm taking the winter off. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, tune in, man. We'll have another show soon enough. Uh, we out of here, then. Let's get out of here. All right.